bases loaded walks. And here you've got Jose Trevino. Oh, His boy, first he's Father's Day. Him. And he swings and lifts this one in the air. Short left field. Going to be trouble. Parra coming in and he can't get it. One run is in. The game is tied. Here comes Connor Falefa. And the Rangers win it. What an unbelievable comeback. A meltdown for Wade Davis. But Jose Trevino, a week after bringing in his first child of the world on Father's Day in the ninth inning, wins it for the Rangers. 13 to 12, our final score. My dad, I wish he was here. I knew he was going to help me too. What does it mean for you to have your son here? A lot. I can't wait to tell him about it. It's one of the craziest weeks of my life. This was just something special. I knew, I knew. I knew it was gonna happen. Something like this was gonna happen. There was no way that that it was we were gonna go out this easy. To the black Snoop Doggy Dog Pokey is the fuck the doc went solo on that ass, but it's still the same. Long Beach is the spot where I serve my cane. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, but you bet not slip, cause nine trizz ain't the years in for me to quiz out my grip. So I ain't holding nothing back, and once again I got five on the twenties. It's like that, and as a matter of fact, because I never hesitate to put a food on his back. Yeah, so keep out the manuscript. You see that it's a must we drop gangster. What's my name? All right, everybody, we are back here on the mound visit, and we're excited to bring to you another show. It's any number five of game number four, and we are excited to bring in Rangers catcher Jose Trevino. Jose, how are you doing, sir? What's up? I'm, I'm good. Hope everybody's doing fine. Hope everybody's safe and healthy. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we're excited to have you on. Uh, unique season. Uh, unique offseason thus far. Um, crazy stuff going on in the world right now, especially here in the U.S. with all the election stuff. We don't want to talk about elections. We want to talk about catching. We want to talk about Jose. We want to learn about Jose. So, so we're going to start you off with our rapid fire blocking drill here, Jose. So my first question to you, if you could sum up the 2020 baseball season in one word, what would it be? Ooh, that's my word. <laughs> it was it was definitely different it was just different just put it that way Absolutely. different I, I with mean, a capital actually capitalized different like <laughs> different all caps all caps <laughs> all right so i'll go with that then too what was the what was the strangest cutout cardboard sign you saw this season uh tiger king there was a ton of tiger kings everywhere <laughs> like everywhere there and then uh i mean i guess we had some like we had some gambling monkey thing i, I don't even know the name of it and like left field they had like a quarter and left field like a triangle and i guess it was i guess the rangers had something to do with it but i had asked like what is that and everybody's like oh that's like a gambling sign or something like that but it was like <laughs> It was like panda monkey or panda. It was, it was something with a monkey and something with betting. And I was like, that's very random. But yeah. <laughs> well, 
again, and kind of sticking with this, you know, the fans didn't really get to experience the new Globe Life Park in Texas. What would you say to the listeners that have yet to visit the, the stadium? What would you say is, is just super unique, super cool, and super like just just something different that you of all the ballparks you've traveled to that separates this from all the other ones? This park, like pictures don't do it justice. And like if people were, you know, the people that were allowed or were able to come out and see the 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 division games mm-hmm. and the World Series, they'll tell you like this stadium is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. Um, for for me, I think like it's very it's very modern, very very modern, uh, and it's very like Texas. Yeah, like very Texas. <laughs> like I know somebody was calling it like a shed or like a barn or something like that, but like it kind of like fits in because it's like when, when you get in, like, it's like, bam, it's huge. Yeah. And, but everything in there is about like, it's Texas. It's very Texas. Like in left field, like high left field, they have some like sky bar or something like that. Like way up there, there's like rocking chairs and like, it's made of wood. So like, <laughs> and it's stained and then it's just, it's, it's pretty cool, but it, it screams like Texas. So. Very I cool. feel like the ballpark at Arlington wasn't really an old park. You know, no, I, it wasn't. Because I look, I look down there this year, I'm like, they're moving again? What? You know, they got a brand new stadium and everything. And, and I go, I remember when it, it didn't seem like it was that long ago when they opened up that park, and that thing was unbelievable and gorgeous. Yep. And so, yeah, I guess they just recycled it. Yeah. The ball I think flies. it was 25, 25 years, I think. I think it was 25 wow. years or something like that. But they're keeping they're really? it, right? They're keeping Yeah, Yeah, they have um, – there's football. They have football there, like, all the time. Okay. football soccer um i think they're thinking about having like like rodeos or monster trucks or something they're gonna they're gonna do a lot with that field so but it's still it's still very very nice see that's funny you said that because for me i'm like yeah i feel like that that park just opened not realizing it was 25 years ago and that's when yeah i mean i, mean, I was drafted in 95 so that's you know, yeah, when I got drafted, I'm like, wow, look at this cool new stadium. And then you forget track of time and blink your eye and 25 years passes. Good Lord, I feel yeah. old right now, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my, my next question then. So we, we hit the, um, the cutouts and everything. What was the – who had the loudest – like, what was the most interesting crowd noise that they were playing over the, the loudspeakers? It couldn't have been just bland video game stuff. They um, Was there anything creative? Nothing really creative, but in Seattle, the me- it was just turned down. Like, it wasn't loud at all. Like, you could hear everything. And then it was the opposite with us. Like, ours was so loud. At, at some points, it was like, wow, this is really loud. But, like, they wouldn't have it turned up or it was too loud, but there was nothing really like, there were no booze, like nobody, I guess there, they made something where there's, there can be booze, even though it would have been funny. I, I actually tried to get Todd Frazier booed at, uh, at the new park. I was like, Hey, y'all just, whenever you announce his name, just boo. Him. And they're like, no, we can't do that. But, um, but yeah, in Seattle was really low. Uh, but at our place really loud. Like it felt, it felt like a, like a, like a real, like people were there at our place. Very nice. Very nice. 
Uh, my next question, my final question uh, for this segment is, um, what is one thing that you took from this 2020 season you want to take into the 2021 off season and get prepared for? What is something that you feel like, oh, you're just a little uncertain about this part of your game? Um, for me, it's like, for me, it's just staying healthy, man. Honestly, like I've had some freak injuries, like freak, I'm talking freak injuries, like stuff that I feel like can't be prevented. Like it's like a broken finger, uh, a wrist injury. And it's like, how's that wrist injury happen? Swinging the bat, maybe swinging too much, maybe, you know, whatever it is. But just for me, it's like staying healthy, but knowing and understanding like this year was a sprint and that that stuff was going to pop up. But for me, it's like going into this next season, like I want to catch 120 games, mm -hmm. 110, 120. I need to stay healthy. Whatever I need to do to stay healthy, I'm going to do it. Is there something that you add into your, your off-season program to do that? I mean, like you said, some of these injuries are just super freak and, uh, freakish, and, and they come out of nowhere um, unexpectedly. You can't prepare for some of this stuff, but like – what about like uh, stretching, mobility, things of that nature? Are you are you doing a lot of that right now? Yeah, definitely. No, like, I'm, so I'm working out with a guy uh, that I've known for a while, and then I'll end up working out at the stadium with the team uh, if they let us get back together at some point. But for me, it's like the recovery days, like making sure, like, if I'm sore, take care of it. Um, if I lifted heavy that day, you know, take care of my body eat right, you know, get some sleep, get some rest. Um, and I mean, I have mostly every like recovery tool now, like for me, if I would have known what I know now, like back when I got drafted, my signing bonus would have went strictly to recovery stuff. Like I would have gotten like those uh, space boots or the legs, Yeah, I yeah. got shoulders, I would have got hips. I would have got all that stuff, Theraguns, uh, Mark Pros. I would have done it all. Like, <laughs> like if that's my one piece of advice for guys that are about to get drafted, you know, they're about to get paid, like invest in that recovery stuff. Like don't be afraid to, to, to you know, utilize it and spend some money on it because it's going to help you, you know, longer in your career. Very nice. So, <clears throat> Jose, for, so this offseason there's, you know, you probably have access to a whole bunch of different, different tools that you can use. Have you uh, have you tried the the win reality, three um, D virtual reality stuff yet? No, I haven't. But uh, we tried it. I think it was in spring training, maybe. I think it was in spring training. It can't. It uh, it had come in right before COVID had happened, and we were actually in our uh, in the media room. We were all messing around with it, kind of seeing how it was. It's pretty cool. Like that stuff is is pretty sweet. Yeah, I've seen a. There's a ton of videos that are that are coming online right now, and um, one of our former guests, um, former um, former 13-year guy Gary Bennett, his uh, his brother is highly involved in their in that company. So you know, he was kind of giving us some inside information on it. You know how it works. Yeah. And, but yeah, the videos. I look at that. I'm like, you know, the way. I mean, my my kid's 14, so he plays video games and. You watch the graphics on PlayStation or Xbox, and it's like yeah. you're watching a movie anyways. And I can yeah. only imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years. But I, I saw the video for that thing, I, and I go, yeah, I, I couldn't hit a video game, you know, with that speed, much less a real a real guy throwing, uh, throwing 95 to 100 now. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
that thing is legit though. That thing is pretty accurate too. Like you step in, you're facing somebody, you're like, oh, I remember this. That's what that looks like. <laughs> there's there's that slider that got me. It made me look right. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, thank you again for taking the time to uh, hop on with us. Um, talk to us about your game, um, just some of the stuff that you do and, and maybe help some of our younger listeners. I feel like, Jose, you're a type of person that is, is pretty outgoing when it comes to social media, and we can follow you at Twitter and Instagram at hiphipjose5. Um, but it seems like you're out there, you're, you're willing and able to, to kind of, um, you know, meddle in with some of the, the fans out there. For our listeners and stuff, your approach to the game now, I think you're seeing a shift of when Chris and I played. Um, we're talking about receiving right now. We're going to go into the topic yeah. of receiving. People are so, uh, you know, inclined to sometimes try new things. And some, some people are more or less, they're, they're against uh, change. And yeah. um, again, going back to from when Chris and I played, we, we had – the old, uh, you got to stick it, can't move the ball, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yep. I guess, you know, when you, you hopped in, you, you got drafted, I believe it was uh, 2014. 14, correct? yep. Uh, you know, that was when analytics, I think, was starting to evolve yeah. in the game, especially now it was starting to migrate into catching. Yeah. What, what was some of the, uh, I guess, the – just your the first introduction that you got when you said, "Okay, we're now able to tally strikes, or at least um, you know strikes that we overturn or balls that we overturn into strikes." Um, and and what was that conversation like with catching coordinators, other catchers in the organization for you? Can you yeah. talk to us through that? So, like you said, like when I first got drafted, like analytics was just coming in. Like it was like barely like everybody was like oh it was at first it was the hitting stuff like it was very like you're like okay we hear about this launch angle thing that's coming out we hear about this you know high low game that's coming out and like a perspective of the eyes and stuff and tunneling everything was just starting to like come up and when I so I wasn't a catcher when I got drafted but as I started you know when I started catching I noticed that a lot of balls off the plate I was getting them mm -hmm. and I was like okay, well, if I can do that, like, that's got to be good. And I didn't know if it, like, now it's like a big thing. I didn't know back then, like, how good it really was. Right, right. So, you know, I would just catch and, like, try to stick it. And in my head, I was sticking it. But to the, to the eyes, I was actually moving it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe I wouldn't move it, like, you know, foot, but I'd move it a little bit to bring it back and probably give me a strike. And so, like, I guess we had a catching coordinator named Chris Briones and he was, he was there, Hector Ortiz, uh, catching yep. coordinator too. Mm -hmm. They were just like, Hey, like, you know, you catch the ball really well, you know, catch and stick it. Um, and you're doing a good job of it. And like, we weren't really keeping track until 2000 and I want to say 15 or mm -hmm. 16 is when it kind of like came in like full circle. It was like, yo, this analytics is showing like this box mm -hmm. and where everybody's <laughs> kind of blue at, you're pretty red at. And where you're kind of blue at, there's people that are red at, you know, and it was like this box. They sent me this box and I was like, okay, so like, like what do I need to do like to get better? Do I need to angle my body? Do I need to move the ball? And like, I was saying all these things like just out of everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'll start with my body. Like, let me move my body, shift my body over instead of being straight, you know, angle, 
on an inside pitch, on an outside pitch, try that stuff. And so, I mean, that's just basically how it got started. And then as I, as we got going more and more, everybody was like, yeah, this analytics, like how you can steal strikes and how it makes a difference in certain counts and everything. Like, that's a big deal and you can do it. And I was like, oh, shoot, like I'm in, like this is great. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, it proved you were asking all the right questions because if I'm not mistaken, in 2016 and 2017, you won a, a minor league gold gloves, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. you were asking all the right questions. And I think it's pretty uh, amazing to, to think that you were already talking about angling your body, giving different target setups with your body as opposed to maybe a mitt target. Yeah. Um, as far as your counterparts are concerned, you, you're, you're pretty traditional in the sense that you set up, right? Yeah. Generally on two feet. Um, and, you know, and obviously there's a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, microscope put under the one knee catching these days yeah. with everything. Um, and uh, like I said, I've, I've, I've watched you a lot um, receive the ball. And, and yeah, you know, from the, the center field view camera, especially with, you know, at Globe Life now, you know, it might make it look like you are moving that much. But you, when you see it from a side angle view, it's very minimal. Yeah. What quiet. do you think about some of the other guys of your counterparts? Do you take anybody's uh, game that you watch on the other side of the, the lines to say, yeah, you know what, I, I, I want to try that. I'm going to add that into my game. Or yeah. are you just pretty much, you know, I got to I got to work with my strengths. Yeah. So going off of what you said, like the one knee stuff like that got introduced to me. Spring training this year. <laughs> And so I was like, you know what? Like, if they're okay with it, I'll try it. Like, yeah. I'm like, Can it's I ask not, you this, Jose? I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. So you no, say it got it. introduced to you. Yeah. Who was that from? Um, catching coach, uh, Hector Ortiz, Bobby okay. Wilson, Bobby wow. Wilson, Alex Berg. Uh, and it was like a thing. Like, we had worked on it in the off season, And, like, I had tapped, like, literally, like, put my toe in the water and was like, ah, that's too cold. That's too cold. I can't jump in right now. But, but I had tried it. I had mm -hmm. tried it. And so when we got to spring, it was like a big thing. Like everybody's like, Hey, we're going to try the one knee stuff. We're going to do it. And I was like, okay, like I tapped my foot in it. Like, let's see what we can do. And I actually felt like comfortable with it. And I remember we were, we were catching uh, on the turf and we were blocking on the turf. Cause I had all the questions. I was like, how am I going to block? Right. How am I going to throw? Uh, how am I going to, you know, read and react? Like I had all the questions. Like I was like, I'm going to ask all these questions because obviously, you know, I'm a question asker. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But so I was asking all these questions and we were doing it on turf and I was crushing it on turf. I was doing well. And I was like, you know what? Like no more turf. I need to get out on the dirt mm -hmm. and let me get out on the dirt. Let me try it on the dirt. Let me see if I can push the way I'm pushing using my feet, using my legs. And then I'll give you an answer if like I'm going to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And so I went to uh, – we went to the, the bullpen that next day, and I was able to block. I was able to receive. I was able to do everything off one knee. So I was like, you know what? Let's take it into a game. Like, yeah. why not? Which, which knee did you start off on? I mean, was there one that was more um, comfortable? Left. Left knee down. Left yeah. knee down. That was more – that's that seems to me like watching everybody else, that seems to be the more comfortable position for everybody. Did you say uh, centered with your hips or did you kind of lean into your right leg on that? So I was starting to like move. So like if we were going outside to a righty, I'd, I'd square off and I'd, and I'd kind of use that angle. If we were going inside to a righty, I'd square off and use that angle. And then I was like, you know what? Like 
I see every, like there's some people doing the right knee down. Like I see it. Okay. Like let's try it. Yeah. So like for me, like personally, like if I can do left knee down, right knee down, traditional stance, and I can block catch and throw from all of those stances. I mean, I, there's, there's tools in the toolbox, you know, and like say a pitcher doesn't want you on a knee. Like there was a pitcher this year that didn't want me on a knee. And I was like, let's go. Like a veteran pitcher was like, hey, no, I want you traditional. I was like, okay, let's go. So, like, the way I look at it is, like, if if we're building a house, like, the guy that has the more tools is going to get the job. So, right. if you can basically, you know, get with those stances and be good in those stances, then, you know, there's there's nothing that somebody can't be like, hey, you know, I want you to do this. And you're like, okay, like, it's fine. Like, let's go. You know, but I want – I guess I would want the pitchers to have a reason why they want me in traditional and not on a knee because statistically right on a knee, you're getting more strikes. Yeah. So that, that's just, that's what I think. That's, that's basically the story leading up to where I, where I am now, but yeah, man, that's it. It's been, it was, it was, it was a quick transition though. It was very quick. Like it was like, Hey, one knee, it was like four days where they were like, Hey, try the one knee stuff. We're doing the one knee stuff. Let's take it over again. Like, All right, let's go. Have you tried throwing out of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. A little tough. I struggled with it just because I didn't, I don't have, I didn't have the footwork down yet. Mm-hmm. So it was a little tough for me this year. Uh, I didn't throw out that many runners. You know, I, I won't use the footwork as an excuse, but I was, I was so like, I was so locked up on the traditional stance right. that I was trying to do the traditional stance footwork on a knee down and it's just it's just not gonna it's not gonna work so basically tinkering with it playing with it we're we're gonna get better at it I can promise you that so when you're in your traditional stance and you're coming up throwing were you a guy that that pretty much maybe gains a little ground or do you kind of load underneath your hips with your right heel you know I mean there's different variations the L the you know the the jab step or you know guys that just kind of just pick up and put down um, which, which one do you do? Cause I know when, when we do the, the even when I, <clears throat> you know, work with the kids to show them, and we always would warm up with throwing out of a one knee stance, just to, yeah. to get their legs active and uh-huh. to get the, the feel of a little bit of drive, but you can't really stay underneath yourself. If you're on the knee, you almost have to have that little, that little maybe foot or half foot coming forward with, yeah. from your direction. So what, I mean, was, you think that was the cause? I mean, so for me, I, traditional stance, I was, I was basically trying to gain some ground mm-hmm. and I wanted to take a little jab step with my right foot towards second base. And that's technically how I would gain ground. So then on the knee, I was trying to do that and I just couldn't, I couldn't get it in rhythm. I couldn't sync it up. And so I had to come up with something, you know, like that would help, that would benefit me. But from a traditional stance, I was, you know, gain some ground, get that, get that right foot going forward and get the ball out and just try to be athletic. Like I didn't want, I don't want to get too technical with it. Like for me, because throwing a second, like it's a hard thing to do. Like not, I mean, not many people get it. Like you're literally throwing at a target. You know, if you miss, he's safe. Like you have to be, I, I feel like accuracy is one of the biggest things. Like, Unless you and I mean I, I have great teammates that pick me up. But you know, if you throw it high, like 
the guy's going to slide down. You throw it low, it's a tough hop. Like, you throw it up the line, like, the guy's going to run tag, risk injury on your boy. You throw it, well, you throw it to third base side, you're done. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Is there a, I wanted to jump back into something. You know, you're, like you said, you're very inquisitive. You ask these questions. It seems like you, you want to understand that there's evidence to back certain things up when it comes yeah. to analytics. And, and I'm just curious your opinion. I'm sure you watched the World Series a little bit and some, some maybe poor decisions made. How much do you think that the, the Texas Rangers, and I don't want you to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm just no. curious from our listener's standpoint, but like, how do you think, yeah. how much do you guys use the analytics to, um, as the game is, is moving along, not in preparation. I understand that a yeah. lot of the analytics happens in preparation and plan to start a game, but like, how about during a game? How much yeah. information are you asking for as it pertains to maybe the first, second, third inning or, or whatnot, as it relates to the pitchers, the defensive yeah. um, alignments, and then who you have coming up to bat? Yeah. So if I will I won't question anybody's moves. Like their moves is their moves. It's our job to execute. Mm -hmm. So for me, if Woody wants to bring somebody in, okay, let's get him through this. Like this is, it's his job. Like it's his job to get through it. It's plain and simple. Yeah. So after that, then we look at the analytics. Mm -hmm. Maybe this guy has trouble with his slider. Maybe he has trouble with the fastballs up, you know, maybe he has trouble with the change up, right or right change up. You know what I mean? Like, then you go into the analytics after that. But for me, like, watching the World Series, like, yeah, tough decision, but, like, still got to come and get the job done. Right, right. And, no, and that's it. I, that's and it. I, I feel like if you, you – I mean, I'm not going to say people are using that excuse. Like, it was a tough move to make, you know. Like, snow was shoving, like, yeah. you know what I mean? You could see, like, as a baseball, a baseball player and, and y'all as former baseball players, like, you know what that does. Like, as soon right. as you saw him coming out, like, it was almost like – all right, let's go. We're good. Like I, I felt it through the TV. Like I was like, Oh man, that's a deep breath, right. fresh air from that side, you know, but for me, it's like, we won't question what we're doing or why they're bringing anybody in or, or how or why or anything like that. We just know simply like, let's get the job done. There's a reason why this guy's coming in, you know, and let's analytically, maybe we can put it together where we're like, okay, let's get this guy done. Let's get this guy through his end. You know, it, it's so funny that you say that too. Like, it's like th there was a breath of fresh air when when Cash took out um, Snell, and it seems like it's on the flip side now these days. We're like, okay, a fresh air. They were well, almost doing cartwheels. Everyone had getting <laughs> grins after here. They looked like the Joker. I, I saw that, and as soon as as soon as that happened, I turned to my my wife. I'm I'm just like. She goes, what's the score? I said, the game's about to be over right now. <laughs> I said, these guys are so happy to see this guy leave. Um, and he, I just, I, I knew, I knew as soon right. as they brought him in that he was going to give up a couple runs. I didn't care if he threw 120 miles an hour. They were, it was just something so different, different, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The point is like, you know, when, when I remember again, going back to play, you, you know, you wanted to keep that starter. You wanted to get on that starter early. Right. And then, yeah. You're like, oh, let's get to the bullpen. It seems like when you get into these five-game series or seven-game series, it's like, let's get to the bullpen because we've seen them throw back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back -to -back days. And I think this year was different because of, you know, yeah, there were a 
couple of days off in between, but still it seemed like everything was just extremely quick there. But, um, but I seem, it seems like, yeah, they, they were like, Oh my gosh, Snell's gone and everything. Right. Yeah. And I, we're going down a rabbit hole that we don't need to really necessarily yeah. talk about here. But we want to talk about you. Um, no, Jose said, he said that was the most politically correct answer he could have. So I, think, <laughs> I think he's fine with that. There you go. Uh, again, on the top of analytics, uh, is there one statistic that you say, yeah, I mean, this defines me as, as what a true catcher is all about? Ooh. Um, or metric or whatever they, you know, the terms are that they're using these days. Uh, I, no, I don't. One that you appreciate more so over the other. So you have obviously, you know, uh, framing runs and then you have blocking runs and then you have throwing runs. Is there one that I you think, say, this is. I think the, 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 the framing runs and the blocking runs, I would have to say is like up there mm -hmm. just because for me, if I can gain that trust from a pitcher yeah. to throw the ball in the dirt whenever he wants to, like, and know that I'm back there and I'm going to block it. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I, I feel like that's a lot of confidence in the pitcher because he knows he can make a bastard pitch when he needs to. Yes. And I'm, and it's okay. It's totally fine. Like I'm going to be back there and whether it's, you know, 40 feet or, you know, 58, whatever it is, like I'm going to be back there and I'm going to try my best to block it. Um, and then the framing, I mean, the framing is, that's big too. Like, especially, you know, those conversion counts that everybody talks about, you know, the one ones, the two twos, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like that lead off an inning, you know, with two outs, like all that kind of stuff. Like that stuff is, I take a lot of pride in that. Take a lot of pride in that. Absolutely. Is there a stat you look at daily? Like you come in the next day and say, I want to see what my numbers were here. Or is that something you kind of maybe push off and go week to week? Um, I do it on like certain pitches that I think that should have been, maybe should have been called or, or, or that I thought were, that I thought were strikes. And maybe I, maybe I, they were just really off. And I was like, Oh, okay. That no wonder why you didn't call that a strike. Like that looks, because if I catch it good, I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, that's there. Like, yep. that's good. You know? And he might not think so. The guy behind me might not think so. And so I'll go back and I'll take a look at it and be like, okay, why didn't he call that? Has he called that before for me? Has he, did he call it for the other team? That's kind of how I, how I go about it. And I'll just see. And if usually like, obviously in the framing, we want to be positive mm -hmm. all the time. Like we don't want to be negative. We don't want to lose any. So if I'm positive check, that's good. Yeah. And now I want to see the ones where I was like, okay, how could I have gotten this? What could I have done better to get this pitch for my guy? Absolutely. Does that come down to more of just being on time? with everything or is it hey maybe on this pitch instead of just absorbing it with my glove maybe use bigger muscles you know use yeah. my shoulder use my you it know, could use be my lat. it could be either one of those it could be either one of those like for me it's like okay maybe i didn't you know maybe i wasn't on time most most of the time it's going to be on like if you're on time or not because mm -hmm. if you're on time you're going to catch it good right. you're going to catch it good but if you're not then you kind of have to use those kind of bigger muscles where you're like, oh, oh, all right. Did I get that? And it's like, no. But if you catch it right, you're like, oh, okay, I was on time. Everything was good there. You know, maybe he just had it off. That's, so, I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest things, too, being on time. Because, you know, for people that are, you know, that haven't played the position, that are just sitting and watching games on TV, and they're like, oh, wow, the guy really butchered that one. How much, just for the people listening that have never done that, 
a guy throwing 100 miles an hour, or even 95, or even 90 for that matter. Yeah. How much actual time do you really have from the time he releases to the time it hits your glove? And do you yeah. really can can you really say, oh, there it is. I'm going to go here. I'm going to get my thumb down. I'm going to get under it. I'm going to lift. Yeah. I don't think people understand the <laughs> literally how little time there is to have all this stuff going through your head and then try to apply that to your body. Yeah. So, like, that's when I feel like the analytics comes into play, like, really big time because, like, you could have a righty that throws 100 and maybe sometimes he has arm side run and it's rising and sometimes it's just straight. You have to be able to tell in that those split seconds where it's like, oh, that's up, ball. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, that's riding. Okay, down. Get down on it. And then you have, you know, guys that are, you know, some guys yank change-ups and, you know, leave, leave curveballs, you know, up. And, like, it's just – you always, like – that's I think that's the reason why catching is so special. And I think that's why I, I love that analytics is coming to the catching side because now everybody's starting to see how special, like, the position of catching is. And – I think the cool thing about it is everybody does it different. Mm -hmm. Literally, like, there is nobody that does it the same. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be like, you can compare, but you cannot be like, that is very identical. Yeah. It has to be like yours. Like, you can't go out and be like, I'm going to be like so-and-so. I'm going to be like so-and-so. With Because if you do that, then you're always going to be trying to reach those. You're always going to try to make it look like that. But as soon as you make it yours, you're like, oh, this is actually like, good this is the way i i do it mm -hmm. like i i could have a different way of explaining how to catch the ball than you know austin barnes or 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 grandal or yadi or perez uh like it, it's just it's totally different everybody's so different but it's so unique that everybody has their own way that's that's interesting i want that's a good segue from the next question i have for you you so you you didn't necessarily start as a catcher when you started did you uh -huh. did you look at people like you said you're right now you're like i'm not trying to be you know yadi grandal perez um, barnes yeah. whomever right i'm trying yeah. to be myself and take what i understand how i approach it my my vision my plan etc yeah. and then i put it into motion yep when you first started like how hard was that transition for you and it, it probably wasn't because i know that you played some some middle infield and stuff um yeah but uh, I guess a couple part question here. When did you start behind the plate or when did uh -huh. you get your start behind the plate? Who influenced you? Um, what are some of the takeaways that you got from that person? I mean, this is a long yeah. question, so I apologize. No, that's fine. And then um, how did you take it and then evolve it from there? Yeah. So I did watch. I watched Yachty. I watch Yachty. Um, I watch uh, Salvador Perez. Uh, and then when Roberto Perez started coming up, like I was keeping my eye on him. I always thought he caught the ball. He unbelievable back there. Um, but those are mainly like kind of the three guys that I kind of watched. Like I was like, okay, like similar body type to, to Roberto Perez. Okay. We're, we're kind of the same Yachty, you know, he's, he's down there. Like, He's making things look smooth. Perez, bigger target, like sticking everything, you know. Um, and for me, dude, I stunk. Like I will not. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, yeah, like. So what happened was I got to Spokane, Washington, 
Yeah. Uh, I get to my locker and there's a huge bag in my locker. And I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so open it up, there's catcher's gear. And I'm like, this isn't mine. All of a sudden, like, <laughs> our catching coordinator at the time comes around the corner. He's like, hey, man, what's up? Riley Westman, nice to meet you. And I was like, like, it was just really a lot right now. I was like, what's up? He's like, did you get your gear? And like, before I could even say my name or anything, he was already asking me about my gear. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> is that, he's like, oh, yeah, that's yours. Uh, you got a mitt? And I'm like, no. He's like, call your agent, get two of them. I'll see you outside in like 15 minutes, strap on, and we're good to go. And I was like, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> so that's when, like, I kind of, like, really started getting into catching. And uh, how long did I mean, you go before you actually had a glove? I used someone else's. So what <laughs> happened was the deal was I was going to play the first half of the season, you know, third base, infield, whatever. But the second half of the season, I was going to catch. Like, they were like, you're going to catch, and you're going to catch a lot. Man, I stunk. Like, I had a teammate, Edward Pinto. When I came back from that first short season to full season, he was like, Poppy. He's like, you suck last year, Poppy. Now you're good. <laughs> like, like, oh, my God. I was like, all right, Pinto, thanks, bro. But I, I'm telling you, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yo, it was a rose the whole time. Like, no, like, I had to go through my growing pains. Like, it was tough, man. It was tough. But I, you know, I, 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 I did what all catchers do. You know, we, we strap it on and we do the work. Like, yeah. plain and simple. Like, I had to get better. So there was no way I was going to be able to sit down and be like, oh, okay, I'll get better. Like, don't worry, later on. But, no, man, like, I mean, watching, observing, like, all the other catchers and then getting it thrown on me, I was like, all right, like, let's do it. I remember having a conversation with myself where I was like, okay, you want to play in the big leagues? Yes, obviously what do you need to do to get there? If that's catching, you need to go. Like, you need to go all in. There's no questions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need to try to be the best catcher you can be. And so that's how it basically started. And I remember the offseason of 2014, man, I crushed it. Every day, like, every day I was doing some kind of blocking drill because I had trouble blocking. I was doing some kind of blocking drill. I was doing something to get my legs in shape. I was doing something just to make me feel like I got better every single day. I credit it to a book I read that called The Compound Effect. Basically, like, you do something little every day, at the end of, you know, 360 days, whatever it is, you know, you, you, you've basically done what you needed to do to get better. So I, uh, I credit to that book and I credit to just, you know, getting out there and doing the work. Absolutely. Now we've had, a, we've had a, few, a, few guys, a few major league guys that were on the show that said that they were you know they were converted guys as well so and obviously infielders always always have good hands and that's probably why they're they're yep. put behind the plate but when you first started did you feel more comfortable just oh shoot I'll just pick this that's no big deal <laughs> big time big time I was picking everything because I wasn't a good blocker like I was not a good blocker like I, I'm gonna you know what that's a I'm going to go check my numbers like blocking wise and stuff after we get off here in Spokane. Cause it was, it couldn't have been good. I think I, I met, I met a few fans back there uh, by the back, by the backstop a couple of times, <laughs> <laughs> but they probably thought I was like a vendor or something. How many times I was running back there, but uh, no, man, I, it was, it was easier to pick for me. So I just pick it and I'd be like, Oh, I picked it. Like, and then finally like people were like, Hey, like, you know, you can't, you got to block it. Like it's run on third base. You can't just pick that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. I won't do <laughs> that. The results. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it was definitely – it was tough, man. It was really tough. And then just getting down to it, like I remember blocking tennis balls because I was not a good blocker. I'm telling you, I was not a good blocker. And I would block tennis balls off the, off the pitching machine because I was just like, okay, if I can get my technique down, I get everything right and everything's good, then I can go to a baseball. So, yeah. Is there any certain cue that you used while blocking that has stuck with you since and it just – it helps with anticipation, gets you in the right position to put your body there? Yeah. Um, hands first was one of them. Like, get my hands down. That way my chest is over the baseball. And try to hit the logo and keep that ball right next to you. That was basically, you know, that's, that's been with me f- ever since I started catching. Like, when I'm in traditional, yeah, get my hands down, get my body, get my legs back, boom, keep it in front. When I'm, even when I'm in a, a one-knee stance, like, Okay, get my chest over it. Boom, make the ball hit me, keep it close. So what were, what were some of the cues that your catching coordinator did with you to try to teach you this aspect Ooh. of the game? Blocking or just yeah. blocking? Yeah, blocking. Um, so I'd work on side-to-side stuff. And um, it's going to sound funny, but I, I was a jab stepper to my right and to my left. So, like, I would read the ball and I would jab step. And then I would go block. And I actually learned that from uh, Hector Ortiz, the catch coordinator that I had at that time, where I, he was like, dude, you got such good feet. Like, it's almost like you're, you're too, like, as soon as I go down a block to the left, I'd fall over. As soon as I go back to the right block, I'd fall over. He's like, you're not gaining enough ground to let your, you know, your legs slide down. So, of course, like, he was like, hey, try, try jab step. And sure enough, like, Boom, jab step, get in a good position, block. And that's the thing that took me over the top. And he, like, he wrapped a rope around me, and he would stand on the right side, and I'd be going right, and he'd – and as soon as i take the jab step, he'd pull me, and I'd push with my left foot, and I'd get down and block it. But that was, like – yeah, that was my first – that was my first instructs when I was learning how to block. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the, that was just – one of the things was like a jab, step, and push. Jab, push. Jab, push. So if I was going left, how are the how are the forearms and in instructs? Not good, <laughs> not good. Brutal. But like, and then I had those like forearms were like okay, I'll get those beat up. But then I got those ones like along like the uh, like the bone part on the wrist. Oh uh, my gosh, uh-huh. man. Those are the worst. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the absolute so, worst. I, now, I, see, those I are those are tolerable, like in in spring training in warmer climates. Yeah. But when when you're playing in like, you know, let's see, like the PCL and some of the some of the cold states or in the international yeah. league, you know, or Eastern league or that, those when you're playing in 30, 40 degree weather, you get hit there and you don't feel your you don't feel nothing for like innings. It's not even a yeah. minutes. It's it's innings. You know. Yeah. You might wait till the halfway point. You're like, oh, cool, I got feeling in my fingers feeling back in my arm yeah yeah definitely double up on the wristbands and everything right. so there you go so so jumping in a little bit uh, into some stuff that you're doing this off season i know you, you you talked about staying healthy yeah what about are there drills that you do uh, you know i know chris had mentioned earlier on the show we had Gary Bennett on there and he said as he got along in his career he almost took out a lot of the catching stuff in his offseason prep just because he felt comfortable with himself and 
and we had somebody like Jason Kendall on. Jason Kendall said, I would never squat, work out, nothing. He goes, yeah. spring training for me was where I got into shape. I would throw the ball back to the pitcher every single time. Um, yeah. And that's how I got my legs into shape. I squatted. That was my, that was my workout. You guys yeah. are having to get uh, well-prepared. It's like there's no time off, really, right? Like yeah. that cliche is, no time off, grind it out. Ah, yeah. It's grind season. Let's get after yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, Jose, how about from a baseball uh, training standpoint, what are you doing as far as, like, your catching specific stuff is concerned? And then yeah. uh, how do you, how do you uh, accompany that with your strength training, et cetera? Yeah, so at first, when I first started catching, you know, I still need a lot of work. I'm telling you, like, you're always working as a catcher. You know that. We're always working. Uh, but at first, I needed all the work that I could get. Right. So I took, you know, I took, like, a, like a week off from, from the catching stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would get to it. Blocking, uh, receiving, footwork, um, picks, plays at the plate. Like I would just crush it yeah. now. Like I would start doing that like October, like mid October, I would be getting after it. Um, now I push, I pushed it all the way back to December one. So like, usually I would give myself the gift, like on my birthday, my birthday is November 28th. I'd give myself the gift of like strap it on. Let's swing the bat. Let's, you know, <laughs> happy birthday. Let's get back into it. Uh, but for me, like now it's like, okay, I know the specifics I need to work on mm -hmm. and they're, and those are, that's what I'm going to attack while I'm still getting better at the things that, you know, I'm already good at right now. Yeah. I can still, you know, I have that time to get better. But like you said, like when we get into spring training now, it's go time. Like it's be ready day one. So I found out like, you know, in that time period, I can get my work in. I need everything. I can get everything I need to get in, in that time period. So whether that's, you know, blocking, you know, footwork, throwing the bases, plays the plate pop-ups, anything like that, like that's, that's my time. I can get it in that time. And then plus like, so I'll start working out like beginning of October. Mm -hmm. I'll start lifting weights, but I won't lift heavy yet. Like I'll go like two, three weeks of like movement stuff, get my body ready to move some stuff around. So now when we get into November, it's like, let's go. We're moving weight around. We're getting after it. And then once December comes, I can lay off the weights a little bit, maybe not as heavy or not as much. And I start doing baseball stuff where I can get myself ready for baseball season. Very good. Very good. What about as far as uh, now, what kind of like, um, well, well, I mean, you know, we do a lot of stuff with All Star and that, and there's a lot yeah, of. He's a focused training. team member. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. So we have. I mean, we got the hat going on. Yeah. What What kind of the? Do you use any of the training gloves during the off season in that? Uh, the donut and the small glove. Uh, the uh, focus framer. Okay. I like. I love playing catch the focus framer whenever I can, like just whether it's off the machine or whether it's like playing my my throwing program, anything like that. I like the focus framing. I really like the focus framing. So as far as what do you donuts, work? What do you work on with the donut? I was just gonna ask. That question. Uh, just <laughs> just catching it in that spot, and repeatedly like pounding that spot out. Like okay, yeah. 
knowing and feeling and trusting that that's where I'm going to catch it every single time and working, whether it's back and forth or anything like that. Like sometimes even transfers, like I'll do transfers with the donut. Yeah. I was, I was, gonna... um, I was going to say with the, with the donut, what is, um, I mean, you have to, you have to almost be exact with that glove. You know, when, when I use it or I have kids use it, you know, a, the slight little angle, you know, makes that thing pop out. Oh. So it's almost like you, you, you have to almost turn up the focus to make sure your, your hand is in a position where it's completely straight coming out of yep. the ball. Yeah. A hundred percent. I believe that. I think, honestly, I think that glove helped me be stronger when I'm receiving, like it got me stronger receiving the ball, just because like you said, if you're too flat, that thing rolls out. But if you're a little bit closed a little bit, you're on the, on the stronger end of it. You're on the stronger side of it. I know we, we talk a lot about um, with our guests solely for our, our younger listeners um, about drill stuff that you guys do and in different ways and how you, envision training seeing the game throughout when it comes to the physical demand at the position i'm going to talk to you a little bit about oh just kind of being a field general out there um big leagues it's different you know you got a lot of uh hate to say this you got a lot of egos out there um (laughs) guys that uh, make a lot of money uh you got pitchers that are that might be um might have more experience in the game uh and they have certain ways that they want to do it. And, you know, it's like somebody that comes to mind is like a, a Greg Maddox, you know, we had, we were talking again, not to, to bring up Jason Kendall again, but he was telling us about how Greg Maddox would call his own game by the way he caught the ball back. Yeah. Uh, you, you had some veteran pitchers on that staff in Texas this last year, Corey Kluber, uh, Lance Lynn, just to name a couple, you know, what are you, are you taking charge of, you know, those pitcher catcher meetings as they take place prior to the game. Are you, you know, lending a hand to them? How are you leading guys that have been, you know, and experienced maybe more in this game by virtue of the fact that they're a little bit older than you? Yeah. How are you, how are you, how are you uh, kind of taking charge with those guys? They also have a lot more money, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's no, like, but, hey, man, back, I'll back off. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, for me, man, like, I, I prepare, man. Like, you're not going to find me. You, I, I'll be prepared. Yeah. I don't like to be not prepared. Mm-hmm. If I'm not prepared, then something, something's going on. Something happened. Right. But for me, I'm going to be prepared. And being prepared for me is not only to help me, but to help the eight other guys around me. Mm -hmm. Knowing that if we throw a slider to somebody, to a right-handed hitter from Kyle Gibson, that right fielder needs to be in a little bit more because with two strikes, the righty hitting is probably going to, you know, dink one over there to right field and we'll be in there. Instead of making a diving play, we'll be, you know, catching that ball on our feet. We're good. But in the meetings, the older guys, you let them run it. Like, for me, it's their game. Like, they're going to do it, but I'm going to do my homework enough to know that they can trust me and that I'm following along with them, that I'm paying attention, that I see what they're seeing, and that they can trust me. Whether that's like, hey, like, so-and-so has a, you know, swing and miss percentage on 0-2. Uh, 
of, of 63%, like, and you're, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. And I'm like, yeah, so when he gets two strikes, you know, make sure that ball's down, get him a swing right over it, and we're good to go. Whether it's, you know, a strike or a ball, he's swinging, missing two strikes, like, tough. Um, it's little things like that. With the younger guys, kind of try to take, we want to hear what they want to say, like what they've done, what the homework they've done, because I've prepared, I'm going to be like, okay, yes, that's good, let's do this, or yes, or or even no, like, no, wait, hold on. I saw him on that pitch, you know, there's 10 of those pitches in that area, nine of them he hit hard, but it shows like he has like a .81 batting average on it or whatever it is, but he's hitting them hard, so be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's little stuff like that. But for the most part, like the older guys, you let them take take control. Boom, they go, and but you earn their trust by following along with them, knowing what they're talking about, knowing exactly what they want to do. And I, I credit that honestly to Jeff Mathis. Like Jeff Mathis, unbelievable. He helped me out so much. Like it, whether it was baseball, you know talking about baseball, anything off the field, anything like that, like, he taught me how to prepare and how to, like, talk to the pitchers. Because, like, to be honest, like, am I going to go up to talk to Corey Kluber? Like, that's tough. You know what I mean? That's, that's going to be tough for me. But sure enough, Jeff was like, dude, you need to. Like, go. Like, why wouldn't you? It's like, I don't know. Like, he's like, no, dude, you're go. So I'd go, you know, I'd start a conversation with Corey Kluber. It's like, dang, man, like, kind of give give me the confidence of like going out there and being like hey like you're the catcher dude like go out there and talk to him like don't be afraid of anybody like mm-hmm. even though you know they, they have more time whatever it is like go out there and do it like you got to talk to them and you got to let them know that you're behind them it's like all right for sure is there anybody in particular that you enjoyed um <laughs> catching more so than the other or is there somebody that <sighs> that you feel like you just meshed up really well with Man, like I've, I've grown a relationship with Lance Lynn. Yeah. Like, I love, you know, honestly, like everybody, like Jordan Lyles, you know, we, we had to get going a little bit, um, but we like worked together well. Like we, we started to work together well before I, I had my injury. Uh, Gibby, I caught him a few times. I loved catching Gibby. Um, man, I can go down the list. Mikey, Mike Miner, like, you know, we we've had our conversations um Kobe Allard like I, I mean I go down the list like it's just about building a relationship with those guys and doing it the right way not only knowing about them like on the field getting to know them off the field a little bit you know I think that goes a long ways well I'll jump into this because I saw I saw a lot of this during the playoffs and I don't know how long it's been out there but I'm starting to see a lot more you know the, the game is is more north and south obviously with the fastballs and mm-hmm. you know there's more back when I played is you never want to throw anything up you know if you're yeah. own two yeah put something around the letters but now you're, you're seeing a lot of guys working on those holes hitting the hitting the top of the zone and hitting the corners of the top of the zone but I started to see breaking pitches that were you know dropping curveballs in that start way above the eye level guys to give up on those and letting it just come in close to the body and drop it in so when is how much do you guys do that and, and kind of when over the last few years did you really start adding that into the repertoire of calling a game 
Um, so I think I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Zanino giving a high target, right? Like that kind of mm-hmm. like a high target with a good breaking ball. Um, for me, I think it's about those guys. Like, I think it's the catchers giving the pitchers a visual. Mm-hmm. So like the pitchers that have a ton of spin on their breaking ball, like it's harder. The more spin you got as a curveball, the harder it is to control like in the zone. Mm-hmm. Right. So for what I think Zanino was doing with those guys with the good breaking balls was I think he was just giving them a hard target to look at, to be like, okay, I need to get it here. That way it goes, bam, it goes zip. So it doesn't go like strike ball. It's like yep. strike, strike down at the bottom. You got to make your decision whether it's top or bottom. Um, but I, we've never really like been like high curveball, like throw it up here type. If they do like, that's an adjustment on us that we got to make to, you know, like you said, catch it deep. So as soon as you're expecting it down, you're like, Oh, that's up deep, like, catch it deep. But I think it was a good, like you were watching, I was watching on like, obviously catchers watching a different game, but seeing it and you're like, okay, he's given a high target for a reason. Like, Maybe it's 2-2. Maybe he doesn't want this thing to come out. Like, statistics are showing, you know, analytics are showing he's going to throw a breaking ball 2-2 count. Maybe he wants it to look like a strike and then go to a ball. as Strike as long as possible. And maybe sometimes he, like, flips it and it stays up and hitter gives up on it, catch a deep, strike three. You know, that's mm-hmm. – I give that to the catcher. Because I, I, don't think, I don't think the pitcher was trying to throw it up there. Unless he was. Like, that's impre- – like – that's what they talk about, the automated strike zone. If that comes up, like, pitchers can do that. Like, people don't know that, but pitchers can, like, oh, okay, that's where the strike zone is. All right, let me see if I can, like, is that it? Was that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, you know, that that's how basically I feel like how the pitchers are doing it. But for me, the way I was looking at it, I was like, okay, he probably doesn't want to throw a ball here, so he wants to make it look like a strike for a long time before, you know, he swings over the top of it. Mm-hmm. How hard is it just calling a game? I mean, here, here's what I want to get at. When we are sitting and watching the games, you have the little strike box on there, you know, but when you're catching, obviously there's not a, there's not a 3D box saying, okay, here's the top of the zone. Yeah. So what, do you, what do you use as a visual of saying, okay, this is where I'm pretty sure the top of the zone is, you know, the bottom of the zone, okay, we're going to use maybe where my knees would normally be, and I can kind yeah. of get a feel for under the zone to, to yep. manipulate it. But going on and being exact at the top and on the corners and that, what, what do you use as a visual with the hitter to say, okay, you know, I got Judge up there who's six seven, you know, so yeah. I can go a little higher, or I got Altuve who's, you know, the size of a fungo bat, and I can, I can stay a little lower on that. Yeah, so for me – I think about um, – I'm always like, okay, the top is my eyes. Because I'm a shorter – I'm a smaller catcher. So, like, I'm like, the, the top has to be at my eyes to my knees. So, I know that I have that space. Or I'm like, okay. And then, like you said, when a, a, a hitter comes up, we're trying to go up, whether he's huge or small, it's like finding that, okay, like maybe the belly button, that's up for them. You know, maybe, you know, like a smaller guy – you're like the chest, the hands, uh, just above, just below the pecs. Like that's, that's up. Um, but that's one of the hardest things. It's like knowing that and like actually like, like seeing that and be like, oh, okay, my target was too high there. 
like what's already a ball, like make sure, making sure like, hey, throw it up here and knowing like your guy's going to have some rise or your guy's going to be like a straight fastball. Maybe your target isn't so high. Maybe your target's literally right down the middle because you know if he throws that to you, it's going to go up. It's going to seem like it goes up and he's going to stay on top and it's going to stay high. Do you ever have a, um, you know, like in between innings and say, geez, I thought I was getting, I thought these were good pitches and go back in and maybe look at the video real quick and say, oh, okay, so it looks like I am about a glove too high and this I got to lower it a little bit. Yeah, well, this year we weren't allowed to have video for reasons. Uh, we won't <laughs> get into that. But um, in the past, yeah, like last year in 2019, 18, 19, 19, we were able to go in there and be like, oh, okay, like I was too high on that, get a little bit lower, like check it, make sure like, okay, am I too high here? Like, what do you think? That, But yeah, that's basically like how you look at it and you're like, okay, I was a little too high there. Or you can wait, you know, maybe have somebody looking at you and be like, yeah, your glove's a little too high there. Very good. Very good. Chris, you got anything else for Jose? No, dude, I think we, I think we hit a, I know this has been this has been fantastic. One thing that I want you yeah. to do, Jose, I know I think you have a camp coming up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I want, yeah, I wanted I want to ask about the uh, the boy drive that he's yeah. uh, that he's running. Please, please share with our so listeners. In, so in the past, what we've done is we've had a free camp. Well, I'd say free, but like I do it down in Corpus Christi. I go down there. I've done it for four years. This is gonna be my fourth year this year. And me and my family get together. It's called Trevino's Toy Drive, and Basically, we throw a big baseball camp, and the entry fee is two or more toys. You come in, ages from, I think it was like seven to like 14, 15, whatever it is. You bring two toys, you're in the camp. So this year, obviously, for COVID reasons, we're getting, we're trying to get a little creative. We're actually having a drive-through toy drive. Okay. Uh, so basically, people are going to drive by, drop off their toys. They're going to get a, um, basically like a raffle ticket. And we're going to have like five different boxes, like with, you know, a bat, a jersey, a picture, you know, stuff of mine. And you get to pick where you want to put, you know, your tickets. If you bring five toys, you could do five different buckets or you can put all five in the jersey bucket or in the bat bucket or something like that. Um, but, you know, it's something cool that that I like to do. I like to give back to the community, my community in Corpus Christi. And then we're working on something up here for dfw so we're trying to get it stapled down i think it's going to be huge if it happens um but we just got to get it once we get it done it'll be perfect and i know a lot of people will uh will want to come out and support so we're waiting on the dfw one but the one in corpus is is a drive-through toy drive and it's going to be really cool it involves all my family and everything so yeah very nice awesome Awesome. Well, that's, that's really tremendous of you. Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, again, you can uh, follow Jose on Instagram and Twitter at hip hip Jose five. Uh, again, thank you so much for taking the yeah. time out of your day and, and talk some catching with us. A lot of great information in this episode. I'm sure our listeners are just going to um, dive into this one and, and take some, some really good notes on this. So again, thank you, Jose. Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Thank y'all for having me. Absolutely. You're welcome, brother. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all the best to you and your family. Uh, I know Thanksgiving's coming up, so uh, enjoy yeah. your holiday, and um, we'll be in touch. Yeah, you as well, guys. We'll see y'all. Thank you. See you. All right. Have a good one. See y'all.
Well, that's a wrap on another episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again for tuning in to The Mound Visit. We want to give a shout out and a special thank you to our guest, Jose Trevino. Remember everybody, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll catch you real soon.